Good morning, crew. Good to be with you once again. We noticed that a lot of you left Bibles here. These Bibles are a gift to you for you to keep and use for the rest of your life. So if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand up once again. Our uh, SE staff will bring those Bibles to you, and you get to keep them because you need them for solo, quiet time that's happening briefly after our chapel session. So once again, bold, proud, throw you those hands in the air. We have a gift for you of Bibles. All right, crew, today we're going to be talking about some good news and some bad news. Some good news and some bad news. When someone says to you, comes up to you and says, hey, I've got good news for you, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? I'd love to hear it. Again, crowd participation. What comes to mind? I've got good news for you. Just shout it out. You're paying you back. Someone owed you money and they're paying you back. Someone else just said money. Yeah. Like, what if you won the lottery? I go crazy. What else? Other good news. I've got good news for you. Friends. You've got friends. Friends who don't fade away, who stick with you during the hard times. Yeah. What else? Out loud. Just say it out loud. Books. A good book. Snuggling up next to a fire, reading a good book. For some of you, that's good news. For some of you, maybe that's bad news or punishment, but maybe we'll learn good, good books. What else? A couple more. Good news. I've got good news for you. Food, yes, yes, good meal. One more. You made it in this job interview. You got the job, congratulations. We'll come back to that good news that was said over here. That was a good one too. Okay, what about the opposite? What if someone came to you and said, I've got bad news. I just ran over your dog, that is bad news. It could be a cat, too. Loved ones, here we go, loved ones who have passed away, whether that's a friend or a family member, bad news. You're grounded. Bad news. Your pen's out of ink. Bad news. The grades are bad. Bad news. So I think we can agree, even with just the things that are, have been said, that there's varying degree of good news Bad news. A pen running out of ink, yes, bad news, different than a friend or loved one dying. Varying degrees of good news, bad news. And let me propose this, that good news is made better when it's meeting head-on bad news and changing the situation. Like, so what if the cat or dog was run over, but then oh, the vet is a miracle worker and the dog's going to be okay, the cat's going to be okay, full movement and ability of its legs, and it'll even lick you in the face more and be more happy when it sees you. Like, wow, that's great news. Or even what if the bad news was an illness that sent someone to the hospital, and then the good news is the illness is going away. They're recovering. They're able to come out. Okay, guys, crowd interaction time is over. Illness is going away. They're able to come out of the hospital. That good news is made better because of the bad news that was conquered. So consider this. What we're going to be reading and looking at today, I propose to you, is the best good news you will ever hear. 
And that's kind of crazy because we talked about winning the lottery. Maybe you're thinking about colleges in the future or jobs, income. And there's a lot of things that you could say, yeah, that would be better good news for me to hear. But just consider for a moment that the words and the message that's going to be communicated to us from these words, words of life from God, the best good news that we could ever hear, and it's actually being extended to us to receive. And I think it's the best good news, and we were even singing about this, because it counters the worst bad news that we will ever face in our lives. What is that? Like we were talking about last night, even when we're being knit together in our mother's womb, we're messed up. We're broken. The Bible would define and say our messed upness as our sin. The ways that we fall short. And it's not just that we're messed up, we're broken, but it actually fractures us and separates us from being able to be in ongoing union and relationship with the holy God. Jeremy was talking about this. The desire and the goodness of community and being together. Our sin fractures our ability to be in perfect community with God, the source of life, the source of everything good. We can't overcome that gap. We can't overcome our brokenness alone. But our God can. And he's made a way for us to be in relationship with him and to even have the answer, have an answer to the problem of death and separation from him. Winning the lottery could be wonderful, it also could be devastating, but winning the lottery could never answer this problem. And so even just think about this, and then we're going to go to God's word. If we have the best good news that has overcome the worst bad news, if we have that, guys, that will hold us secure in the midst of any bad news that we ever face in this world. And maybe some of you are saying, yeah, but you don't know the bad news that I have. You don't know the family that I'm coming from or the family that I don't have. You don't know the pain in my life. I don't. Our God does. He knows about it perfectly well. And this good news is meant to pierce right through and be with you even in the midst of that pain, to hold you fast, to give you hope even in the midst of what feels like death all around you. We have the best good news at our disposal. So let's go to it. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read from 2 Corinthians 5, and then we're going to jump over to Isaiah 53. So we're going to read in two places this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray and ask that you, the giver of every good gift, Lord, the author of life, would come here and now and work and move in our hearts and minds. Lord, I don't know what's going on in the lives of all these students and leaders, Lord, but you do. Lord, you know exactly what hesitations or what frustrations or what pain is in their minds and in their hearts right now. Lord, I pray even in the midst of whatever it is that they're thinking right now that you would just meet them in a way that only you can. 
And Lord, would you even use right now as we read your word, these words of acknowledging the reality of our brokenness, our sin, our separation from you, but then God unfolding the plan that you have to right every wrong, to reconcile, to bring back together, to heal, and to give life. Lord, but it came at a cost, the cost of your life. Would you help us to see how wonderful it is, your love. How wonderful your love is, God. So open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word as you've promised to do. Bless this time, Lord. We pray and ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're just reading verses 14, 15, 21. 14, 15, and 21. Then we're going to jump to Isaiah 53 and read that. Consider, even if these, again, this is the good news gospel of Jesus Christ. You may have heard this a hundred times, but consider if this truly is the best good news and it only continues to become better and better as we live our lives would you consider that there's something new that God has for you here and now today? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verses 14, 15, then we'll jump to 21. God's word says this. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jump over to Isaiah 53. This is kind of in the middle of your Bible. That last verse that we just read in 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus Christ, God, fully God, fully man, only one who ever lived a perfect life. He knew no sin. For our sake, you and me, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel message right there in one verse and Isaiah 53 just expands it in beautiful poetry. And we're just going to read that here now. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he, Jesus Christ, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. God's word. Crew, once again, the worst bad news, we're sinners. We're separated from a holy God. How in the world does that get made right? Once again, this is nothing that we could ever do, but it is exactly what our God can and has done and has made available for you. Our three points are just this, very simply. Jesus was made to be sin. Jesus was made to be sin. Jesus died. And we have the opportunity to receive Jesus' righteousness. This is all focusing on everything that God has done. So let's just go through these things together. Jesus was made to be sin. Once again, he never did anything wrong. Can you imagine that? Immediately when I wake up, my mind can just go to so many different places. Imagine if your thoughts throughout the day were just put on on a jumbotron so that everyone could see. Like while you're talking with someone and having an interaction and all those nasty thoughts that you're thinking about the person that you're even smiling at and talking to were put on a jumbotron like, oh my gosh, when is this idiot going to be done talking? And 10 times worse than that. Imagine the dark places that our minds and hearts can go if that was just made known to the world. It would be horrifying if everything that you did behind closed doors was revealed to everyone you know. That would be horrifying. Our God, Jesus Christ, the man, never had anything that he did or thought or said to be ashamed of. Can you imagine that? To be perfectly innocent. We can't because we're so far from it. Me included. So don't try to put up any defense. You say, no way, you don't know me. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a good gal. No, none of us are. The perfect, 
requirement, standard to be in relationship with a holy God is perfection. None of us have done that. None of us have done that. Before the time we were five years old, we're stealing toys from that friend or from that sibling and hitting them on the head with that same toy. We boot up broken and sinful. But then imagine, so what, what if like the time actually comes when you're actually innocent, but someone says, hey, I think you did something. Like what if one of you were blamed for ringing the bell when you didn't actually ring the bell last night? How would you respond if you're blamed for something and you actually didn't do it? What's your initial gut response or out loud response? Whoa, 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 whoa. You got the wrong guy. I didn't do it. I'm actually innocent this time. Did you see how it described Jesus' response? Again, that's us and that's me responding with innocence. If we're accused for one thing that we did but actually didn't do, our God, Jesus Christ, is accused and takes on the sins of the world. Can you imagine that? Even like someone standing next to you and them taking the blame for everything wrong that you've ever done in your life? And how does he respond? Like a lamb before its shearers is silent. He didn't even open his mouth. A part of his life, a part of his mission was to take on our sin so that it could be dealt with once and for all. Jesus took on our sin on his shoulders even though he never did anything wrong. And what does that mean? Guys, sin has a paycheck. The wages of sin is death. There's a consequence. As you'll learn in life, there's good and bad consequences for your action. If you spend time with someone and have a lot of good conversations, I bet friendship will be a wonderful consequence that comes from just spending time with someone. But as we live a life of sin, fleeing away from God's good plan and order and structure that he's put in place for us, we will only experience more and more the negative consequences and the outcome of sin ultimately is death. So what does that mean? If Jesus is taking on the sins of the world on his shoulders, he has to die. And he does. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, dies on the cross, the cross that we were saying we find comfort in. He was tortured and died in the most agonizing way. But he dies in our place. Did you see that? Looking back at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, One has died for all. Therefore, all have died. His death was a representative death for us. He took on death so that we don't have to. Once again, this doesn't mean that death, we're now freed from death this side of eternity. No, remember last night we were talking about We've got fickle bodies. We could be met with death at any time, but the death that he took on was a spiritual death that was coming for us. Every single one of us are on a path towards spiritual death and separation from God for eternity unless something changes. Jesus Christ is that change for every single one of us if we would just receive him and the offer of grace and love that he's made available to us. 
He is there for us to take on our sin. He is there for us to take on our consequence that we deserve, which is death. And then here's the greatest exchange of all. Our God, because of the great love that he has for us, takes on all of our junk and the consequence for it. And then he bestows on us the reward of a life lived perfectly. Righteousness. Perfection. And it's only if we receive this can we have the perfect community like Jeremy was talking about with God. Otherwise, we have no access to him. It's like if you go see your favorite band in concert, maybe some of you have had the privilege of getting a VIP, whatever, bracelet or pass. You get to go into that back room and interact with those band members. <gasps> Every single one of us, we are not those VIPs. We don't have access. We couldn't stand before a holy God without the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us access to God and allows us to not only just stand before him, but be embraced by him. Think of that story of the prodigal son, the one who went wayward squandering everything that he was given, like our life, like our breath, like our bodies, squandering everything, finally realizing that he could have the good life if he would just but come to his father and repent and say, I messed up royally. Please just let me be a servant in your house. What does the father do? He runs to him, embraces him, puts on him a new covering, a new coat, and says, you are my son. Every single one of us, without acknowledging our sin, acknowledging Jesus taking on the consequence, which is death for us, guys, we cannot have relationship with God. We cannot receive this righteousness any other way. There's no way that any one of us could work towards it, because once we fall short once, we've fallen short forever. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, this is the best good news ever. Maybe for some of you, this is something that you've heard so many times, but maybe right now God's just doing something in you and just poking in some way as the Holy Spirit so often does. And maybe some of you haven't received this ever before. This is what we want to encourage you to receive. This then allows us to sing songs like hope in the cross. Because before that, we were breathing, but we were not alive, like we were singing. But once we have relationship, personal relationship with the holy God, creator God of all things, the one who made you, then there's life. And then it can even bring the foundation and the peace, even in the midst of all the storms that will come your way this side of eternity. This is the best good news ever, and it counters the worst bad news of all time. We're going to talk about tonight how this best good news then changes us. Right now we're just talking about everything that God has done. But this then changes our lives, guys. 
If you try to find satisfaction in life anywhere else apart from God, guys, it'll fall short. It will not satisfy you. This is the only place where true life satisfaction can be found. So we're going to go from here, maybe after a song, but you're going to have an opportunity to do some solo quiet time. I'm going to invite you in your packets, if you're reading those, just asking you to read 2 Corinthians 5 and Isaiah 53 again. You're going to be able to go out and just be on your own. Check in with your uh, cabin counselor because you guys are going to meet up right after solo quiet time. So find out where that um, rejoining place will be. You're going to have solo quiet time. You're going to have some time for cabin discussion. But if there's something that God is stirring up in you, don't walk away from that. I would encourage you to talk to me, talk to Russell, talk to one of your counselors, teachers, talk to one of this SE staff. We would love to talk and pray with you, even if it's just because you're in the midst of something difficult right now. You know God. You have proclaimed him as your Lord and Savior, but life is just hard right now. We would love to come alongside and talk with you in the midst of that time. This is a time for us to just engage with our God and engage with the world around us and what is going on in our lives. But if there is a stirring and a prompting in you that this best good news ever has never been received by you and you want to receive it, please come talk to me. Please come talk to one of us. We would love to talk with you more and pray with you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you that you would make a way for us. Lord, we were destined for death and separation from you, but God, you have made a way. Lord, I thank you for an amazing week like this, that the school that these students have to be up here in a beautiful place together at camp. Lord, I pray that with all the fun, with all the opportunities, and with all the games that are yet to be played, Lord, that you would help us to not be distracted by even good things like those from the best thing. And I just do pray and ask that if there is any student here, any person here, has not received this best good news, Lord, that you have made available. Lord, that you would stir up in them an urgency to do so and to respond. Lord, I pray a blessing over this time, solo quiet time, that these students will be able to go out in just a little bit to sit with you, sit with God's, your word, God. And would you just use that time and even the time of stillness in the midst of a very hectic and busy world that we're often in to be life-giving. And Lord, I just pray over these cabin conversations today and tomorrow, Lord, that you would continue to just knit together these relationships and these students, especially as they get to sit around your word together. So Lord, we thank you. We just pray and ask all these things and a blessing over this day in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we all said, amen. amen. Mr. Russell.